Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast, Wednesday, March 13th. I'm Doug Norrie, that is. James Davis. Buddy, there's le- you know there's a less than a month to go of the NBA regular season at this point? We have the, the um, oh God, an ant just almost fell on me. I just jumped. I'm okay. Um, there's less than a, uh, <laughs> sorry. I didn't, Third I world not, out there. <laughs> well, I, I realized we're not on video and something just like fell from the sky and landed next to me and I jumped back and I felt like I needed to explain <laughs> it, even, even, though, even though no one would have seen it. There's, there, there's less than a month to go in the NBA regular season, which feels almost like we're sprinting toward the finish here more than anything. I, I, I guess I thought there was more left and there just isn't. Maybe it's the All-Star break. Well, the All-Star break was, seems like it was so late this year. I think that's something that yeah. kind of threw me off is that like they, I think they did it like two weeks later than usual. How, I mean, maybe we should run through this in an article at some point, but are we? it seems like we're fully in the point where there's like three tiers of teams. There's a t- tiers of teams like the playoff teams that you can fully trust. There's a couple of these like middle tier teams that are not bad enough to make to get a, a good a good draft pick, not good enough to make the playoffs, and then there's like the total bottom feeding teams. Is that do you think that like sums up three tiers worth of teams at this point? Because that, that that's kind of what I notice when I'm doing minutes audits night to night. I don't know if you're kind of seeing the same thing that like everyone kind of fits into a category. And I think those seem like the three categories at this point. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I mean, there's teams that are like kind of hard to figure out, like say like Atlanta and Chicago come to mind, where it's like, yeah. you guys know you've only won the 19 games so far this year, right? right. <laughs> like it's it's like a meaningful difference if you're behind Cleveland or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen those teams too. I think that the nice thing is, at least in the East, there's still, it's like all but four teams have a glimmer, and then Atlanta and Chicago are still going through the motions, which is nice. And then you have Cleveland and New York, and it's like, okay, well, they, they've fully given up. It's a little bit weirder in the West for me because the disparity, like the like how far away Sacramento is from Utah from making the playoffs kind of creates this problem where it's like, yeah, I mean, we're 500, but realistically they're not going to catch Utah on a four-game lead with 16 games to go left in the season, right? So, right. And then you're talking about fully half of the conference with very, very little to play for here. Yeah, I think you, I, I agree with you. I think the West is basically set in terms of teams in the playoffs. Now they're just argue, arguing; they're just fighting over seeding, um, and the seeding is pretty close between the you know number three team on down. But then, yeah, and then the East you have the Heat, the Magic, and the Hornets, who are all under five hundred, except it's all vying for that last spot. And then really, when you look at draft odds too, New York, Cleveland, New York. Well, New York basically has it locked up that they're going to be in the top three, and they're just going to keep being bad. But then, like you said, like Chicago, they'll still play some of their guys a lot of minutes. Atlanta too. It's unclear what the total. I mean, Phoenix as well. Phoenix rolled. They beat. They freaking beat the Warriors the other night. So um, they're they're rolling Devin Booker like forty one minutes. So maybe we can sort of trust these teams from a, from a DFS standpoint. I don't know. It's a, it's we always get into a very weird. Very, very weird time for these last few weeks when it comes down to teams tanking and just teams just yanking guys when it seems nonsensical. Though maybe we're getting to a situation in the NBA where they're less motivated to do that. Maybe the league has also come down and said, hey, 
knock it off, although you wouldn't know that from the Pelicans. All right, let's go through a six-game, pretty short six-game Wednesday slate. And I say short because usually Wednesday in the NBA gives us like eight or nine games or something like that, but only six tonight as the schedule starts to spread out a little bit. The first game is Orlando and Washington. Washington, I've seen them opening as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but I'm only seeing that in some spots. I'm seeing some places that don't even have a line on the board and no over-under. I'm going to assume it's going to be pretty high. Washington has played some of the highest over-under games of uh, the short term. One guy that we were not on the other night, and he was big-time chalk, and I was actually really trying to figure out why because I think our, our overall projection was low, is Bradley Beal. Give me your thoughts here on Beal because it does seem... You, I you also want to sign because I saw him being like 28% owned the other night and I was like, really? Oh, Bradley he was way Beal? higher on DraftKings. This was, but, this like, was well, a few nights ago. But yeah. the one, and I think one place that we our system has been very slow to catch up on is the assists. So he's a full season... Um, oh, I just lost the number. He's a full season uh, 5.6 assists per game. But that includes a lot of time with John Wall and a lot of time where they hadn't where they hadn't made like some maybe fundamental changes to their offense. Over the short term, though, the last you know six seven games, he's more like an eight to nine assist a game guy. I did bump them up a little bit, and do you think it's fair to do? Do you think we've seen enough of a track record where he's coming close to like this, you know, twenty six points, eight rebounds, eight assists kind of guy? And he hasn't been that all season. I, I'm worried that our system's been a little slow catching up to this relatively recent breakout in in ball distribution. Yeah, I mean, not many people turn into LeBron, uh, but Beal seems to have done that, at least since, since the beginning of March. Uh, the big question is, you know, h- how much do we want to go with these arbitrary endpoints? Because you can go right into February, and then you got a two-rebound, four-assist game <laughs> right right there at the end. Uh, and I don't know. So, yeah, I guess I don't know what the Beal, the new Beal, should be. I know that paying an all-time high price for anyone is typically a bad idea, and I think, you know, you can even see in recent history, like he's had two good games in a row on $11,000 price tag. One of those, he played 45 minutes against Minnesota, by the way. Um, right. Prior to that, though, he would have like completely destroyed your chances of cashing in, in two straight games against Charlotte and Dallas. So I, I don't think we need to bend over backwards to try to get Beal into lineups or anything like that. Um, I think you can play him in good matchups with kind of a question mark, but... And on a short slate like tonight, I don't know, maybe he's the payoff we're looking for. I, I tend to not think so. I think in the other 7 o'clock game, there's probably better ones. But, yeah, I, I guess that's my overall take. Like, do you think Beal is suddenly worth 500 less than Westbrook? Ugh. I'm, not, like I'm, not so much, I'm not so much thinking of the, the, along those lines. I, do, I agree that he's probably a little expensive. I guess mostly what I'm asking is, so right now we have him for 27 points. That seems um, good. You know, in terms of like his overall scoring, but then we have him for five point three assists. That's with a fifteen percent assist bump, um, right. just like manually put in, and then five rebounds. That is where I think. So I, I guess I'm not asking so much the question of is he worth playing or not. I'm more having a projection question um, because I think that that as much as anything else is like you know kind of the the stance we're coming from. Like if you hear if you see the five assists, five rebounds, and you look at what has been the case lately, does that strike you as oh okay maybe we are. That this might just be a mistake. I guess that's mostly what I'm asking. Because because it, it's not as important now, but it might be important with you know a bad shooting night and the price comes down a little bit, especially on a short slate. This might be why there was there's been some Beal chalk and we've been maybe off it in the short term. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think chasing rebounds, like there are things teams can do to get guys more rebounds. You know, being around the basket more, things like that. Uh, sometimes if teams just have a ton to play for, you can see the hustle stats climb a little bit. In the case of Beal. 
I don't really think the rebounding will be sustainable. I mean, it's always possible, right? But he's got a whole, he's got a long track record of not being an eight rebound a game guy. Um, not that you're saying we should just make him an eight rebound a game guy, but no, no I'm mostly, I'm going to just stop you there. I'm, it's the assists. I'm not, the rebounds I'm less concerned with because I think those are wonkier. The assists, more yeah, assists, I was going to say, assists, assists can probably take a bump because that speaks to team philosophy. And I think that's, that is something the team can just change from one night to the next. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with you. Yeah, the the rebounds, those I think those are variant for a guy like a, a guard like this. So I'm not as worried about it. It's more the ball distribution, ball handling piece of it that I that I really probably want to just make sure we're correct on. Other guys that were popular plays, Sadoransky was a popular play the other night against the Kings. He's still playing a decent amount of minutes, like up in the upper 30s. And then there's Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis, we've been waiting for. I think I wrote this the other night. I've been sort of waiting for a breakout game from him, and it seemed like you know some foul trouble and some other kind of weird stuff had kept him from playing upper 30s minutes, but then he goes out and plays 33 the other night and drops 17 and 13. Do you think that's the plan with the for them, uh, with, for them being the Wizards? With Portis, like 32, 33 minutes is what they want to do, and he's just been a foul box, five fouls in four of the previous five games, he finally avoided it. Do you think we can be aggressive on him? Because we've seen him on big minutes be able to just be a pretty consistent fantasy double-double guy. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the problem with Portis, and it's kind of what you're signing up for is pretty routine foul trouble. We've seen plenty of guys come through uh, the NBA that have a similar mold to this, you know, from Marky Morris to Nurkic, you know, like there's just some guys who can't get out of their own way. Typically, it's these bigs with positional issues or focus issues on the defensive end that help a little bit too late and just wind up fouling someone uh, right as they get to the rim. And uh, I think Portis is no exception there. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think you've shown it, or we've seen it, I should say, uh, three of the last four games he's gotten there on these prices. And, or I'm sorry, four of the last five. And I think you can pay them. I think on shorter slates like this, you know, it's a pretty short Wednesday slate tonight. It's not out of the question. Just understand that you might wind up getting 25 minutes and you just better hope for them to be a good 25 minutes. Excellent big tournament target, though. I think if you're offering guidance for big tournaments, projecting him out for 33 minutes, if you know that's the upside, he's the type of guy that can get you 8x on this price. Um, yeah, and I know we spent a lot of time in this game. There are a couple of games we're going to sort of just gloss over, which is the only reason I'm going to mention that. Because on the Orlando side... Vooch is a guy that's coming in 100% of lineups right now at 10,000. Um, that's on FanDuel. Let me just check DraftKings. And that's the case, same case of DraftKings at 9,200. He sure seems like a big money payoff here against a Washington team that is going to start the aforementioned Bobby Portis at center. Um, so Vooch should, it theoretically should just absolutely destroy this matchup. They are a team still in the playoff hunt as well. So you feel like you can go maybe max minutes on a guy. Could you see rolling him on a night that has, you know, OKC. It has Golden State without Durant, which we'll get to. Could you see Vooch being a 100% cash game player for you based on the matchup? Yeah, for better or worse, Orlando is vying for that last playoff spot in the East, and I think that they're going to try to play their best players' minutes. I think in a in a very meaningful game, like this is actually a, a pretty huge game for both teams' playoff implications, since Washington is also just three and a half games out in the East. So, yeah, I think Vooch stays in there. He think he's the exact kind of offensive center that can punish uh, Washington's attempt to play a power forward at center, and yeah, I think he's a, a really solid option to me. Yeah, he's been 35, 35, 34, 36 minutes over the last four. All pretty close games, all things considered. And he's averaging something like 23 and 11. And that was against like Memphis. Dallas doesn't have it. I guess Philly would. I guess you know, I take that back. Some of these, a lot of these teams didn't really have true defensive centers. That being said, that doesn't change my doesn't change my course here. Anything else you like about this game uh, on the Orlando side or Washington side? Anybody I missed? I feel like there might be someone out there. I'm just not totally seeing it. Uh, no, I think you're you're getting pretty close. I think one guy who could fly under the radars for big tournament purposes is Aaron Gordon, uh, power forward still 
kind of a problem. Gordon is pretty cheap. Uh, I get that he's questionable right now, so I guess we should probably mention that as well. Um, with a rib thing, I tend to think that that's you know not something that concerns me too much. Uh, but Gordon, in the same way, where the last two games he's played 30 and 31 minutes due to extenuating circumstances, and we saw 38 to 41 minute rotations are you know in his wheelhouse in the prior two games. So if you get like a 38 to 41 minute game and things are clicking, he could absolutely be a steal at below 7,000. So uh, just another guy I'm, I'm kind of keeping in my keeping chambered for those big tournaments time. Yeah, Isaac kind of fits the same mold for me too. Like not as much of a not he doesn't have as much of the volume shooting that Gordon sort of has in him in the right matchup, but he does he is able to pile on blocks and some steals too. So especially if the minutes are there, but neither guy that I really want to run out there and cash. I think I'm mostly gonna be focused on Vooch. All right, let's get let's roll through some of these other games. Brooklyn goes in and plays OKC. OKC seven and a half point home favorites here. Um, they are fully healthy now, theoretically, with Paul George. Although we mentioned on our last podcast, I believe it was Friday. I can't. It was either Friday or last Wednesday. We talked about concerns over. We saw concerns over maybe that PG is just still playing hurt. And last game yeah. against Utah didn't do anything to kind of dissuade me from thinking that he played 35 minutes, only took eight shots, zero from three, uh, 0 for three from uh, three. Did get to the line 12 times. So the overall field goal attempts look low probably just because he got to the, some of that's made up by the free throw attempts but still um are we concerned here with, with with paul george you know missing three games from that shoulder injury and not showing anything in the way of being able to hit a shot since then how concerned are we um and do we want to do anything with his projection because of it yeah i think you just probably bring him down to the prior levels he was at early this season i mean he Paul George was not a $10,000 plus player all season long to say nothing of being an $11,000 plus player, uh, which he was prior to the injury. So I think, you know, putting some downward pressure on him a little bit, understanding that for, you know, it's for for whatever happens, it's going to be very difficult for him to sustain those February levels where he's shooting, you know, mid 20 times per game, putting up 40 points in three out of five games and stuff like that. Like, I just don't think that's really in play right now. And I think it simultaneously gives a boost to Westbrook on the other side, because, uh, this team is pretty sorely lacking in offensive options if you don't get one of these two guys going at max capacity in any given game. Right. So I, I like Westbrook as much as I would not want to play George tonight. Westbrook is in right now our top overall FanDuel lineup that's spending up big at the both point guard positions and at center and sort of taking savings throughout the rest of the lineup. I'd be comfortable with that 11-7 on Westbrook. He's still just been every bit of the Westbrook that he's been really the last couple of seasons from a fantasy perspective. Like the three-point right. shooting. Actually, I will say the three-point shooting, to his credit, has improved over the short term. He was a disaster early in the season, like 20% from three or something like that. He's actually up to 39% over the last six games. Uh, so that's at least somewhat encouraging that he's able to hit those shots. The minutes are there, 37, 32, 40, 38, 36. And he's not quite averaging the triple-double, mostly because the assist numbers are down a little bit, but the rebounds are still there. And it's just a great matchup against Brooklyn. So I would be fine stacking like him and Curry together uh, in terms of cash games. Now, we said we've long beaten the drum of centers versus the, the Nets because they've just been such an atrocity defending opposing big men. Where do we stand with Steven Adams? The Adams production has really not been there, mostly since Paul George came back from injury. He had a double, he had like a low double double game, then he had two games with only seven rebounds. Is he still a guy that we want to consider mostly because of the matchup, or are we a little bit worried about the short term performance? No, I think you could definitely consider him based on the matchup. I think OKC has shown the ability to, you know, shift up the game plan based on matchup, and you've seen Adams, you know, 
punish teams offensively, but primarily just punish teams on the board when they're undersized down low. So I think that uh, he's definitely a playable option. I don't know if you need to go out of your way and jam him in or anything. And I think I still prefer Vooch uh, when you can only choose one center. But especially for a big tournament pivot or, you know, if you just wind up needing to pay up elsewhere, I think Adams is a fine alternative. I got a quick question. When we're doing the podcast, I just saw you respond to a Facebook group chat that we're all in. Are you listening when I'm talking or are you doing other things? Um, I just need to address this real quick because I'm seeing a notification come into me one minute, no, excuse me, two minutes ago while yeah. I was probably making some insane point about something. Correct. You're responding to like summer travel plans. Are you actually listening when I'm talking or are we just kind of like you're waiting for the voice to stop and then you jump in? You can be honest in the podcast. No, it's usually when I stop talking, I go and do something else and then wait for you Got to it. kind of lilt up into a question sound. And then I try to go back over. And then if you, if I don't, if I miss it, cause I'm just like reading something actually interesting on the internet, then I'll be like, oh dude, you cut out for a second. Uh, can you, let's, let's try that one more time. So. It really threw me off. I was like, there's no way he's responding. I was like, there's no way he's responding to this thing in like the middle of me making like some great point about like Paul George's injury or something like that. Like there's no way that's happening. And then sure enough, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I'd love to go. I'd love to go travel with those guys. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Good to know. It's just mostly for my own sanity to make sure that I'm not, I'm just like not, I'm not going crazy or my phone's not coming. No, you're good. Okay. Okay. Seven thirty games. Detroit goes into Miami. I woke up this morning, I ran the optimal lineup, and Blake Griffin was in and at power forward, and I immediately went into our projection system and made sure that what didn't happen again, is that fair, <laughs> is, is that fair to do it? I rushed to do it. Is that fair to do it at this point? We've been on we've been on the wrong side. Well, he was like he was pretty chalky there, and I had 60% on DraftKings. Excuse me, 60% on FanDuel, very low on DraftKings. But um, I want to believe, now luckily this probably isn't the matchup against Miami, but I do want to believe that there has just been a lot of weirdness around Blake's recent game log and then the more games that it happens the more it's really hard to <laughs> make, make that case for it. but yeah we had I an really impassioned discussion like about this yeah I mean we talked about it uh, at length because we were like having this come to God moment specifically about Blake Griffin where we were like are the baseline stats good enough and if you go down this game log like you made a pretty compelling case that there's an excuse in the Brooklyn game in the Chicago game uh then the other Chicago game, he got when hurt. You, when for you a say excuse, bit. when you say, ex- I mean yeah, a reason, a reason, a good, a good like reason had. that he missed time that was outside of his control that we probably yeah, can't yes. project to happen in the future, right? Because they get blown out by Brooklyn, probably not the baseline expectation. They're about the equal teams. They blow out Chicago, eh, okay, but then they played a close game against Chicago, but he misses like three or four minutes because he gets hurt. Uh, he, I can't remember the reason in the Minnesota game. Oh, they blew out Minnesota. He plays 42 minutes against Toronto in a close game. Then he loses minutes when they beat Cleveland by 36 points, right? So there's, and that's basically the whole month of March. And that's all but one game in March had a normal game script for Blake. And I think, I I kind of agree with you that right now it's getting tempting at this $8,100 price tag. Um, For PR reasons, it's going to be hard to get him in our optimal lineups. (laughs) Well, that's what it is. I mean, I have about 35 minutes. I actually, that's probably is just like the, that is probably just the mean minutes uh, or meaner average minutes. Um, on what we can expect from him in close games. And I, like I said, luckily this is against Miami, who's a pretty slow team. This game has a lower over-under. If this was another game against like a Sacramento or a Brooklyn or something like that, or really like Washington, all, any of these other teams, we'd be having an interesting discussion about where to, where to land with Blake. I, I, like I said, I, luckily there's enough, enough other big money payoffs. But I will say another under-expectation game from him here or even just like a slower game where he plays his minutes but just doesn't get there fantasy-wise, I would say like the, without looking ahead to what their schedule is, I will say that there's a good chance that going forward we are going to see the temptation to play Blake again and the temptation to not want to, you know, 
yell back at some of our chatters who are not going to be our premium members that are not going to be happy seeing his name pop up in lineups and going the other I don't think there's too much else to talk about here on the Detroit side from a cash game perspective Drummond always has huge upside um, he is his minutes have been basically locked in there the rest of Detroit they just it's really those two guys are bust and then Miami they played a blowout last game they're getting a little healthier Dragic is playing they're still starting out of bio in the starting lineup I, do you see anything on Miami? I don't because they're still, they still, I mean, Olenek and Adebayo are starting and mostly playing minutes, but they're still doing like this Miami rotation thing that makes me really not yeah. want to be anywhere close to it for cash games tonight. No, I'm pretty much in the same way. I think, you know, both, we've seen upside from both and Miami is always an injury away or a random rest night away from me being pretty interested in playing these guys. But when you just look down the game log and see 25 to 28 minutes and, you know, prices above 5,000, I'm typically just not interested. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with the rest of these games. This show is presented by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com xm. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. All right, let's get into Memphis and Atlanta. Uh, Mike Conley, they, you know, we talked about teams that were you know, maybe sort of in the tank and you know, that were probably had motivations to lose. Memphis definitely fit that bill, and they've won their last three. They are now in the seventh worst team in terms of draft protection, and I believe – oh, yeah, because they have like – sorry, I'm just looking at this real quick. I, there's like some motivation they have here because they have a draft-protected thing if they fall within a certain range, and I think it's – I think here it says top eight. So I think actually they do need to keep winning so they don't convey a pick to Boston. Um, if I'm wrong about that, someone can put it like in the comments. I – but I'm almost positive. Maybe there is a possibility. Well, no, if, if it's have... protected in the top eight, they would want to lose, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I misread that. Okay, yeah. So so that makes it even... Okay, right. That makes more sense. So that makes it confusing about why they're trying to win. And yet, Oh, you know what? So it, no, it doesn't. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to win. So they do give Boston a crappier pick because I'm sure the protections get better or get more lenient in the future, right? So they'd rather give a, you know, the 11th overall pick than try, giving like the fourth overall pick potentially next year, right? That, that's right. Okay, right. So then that's why we've seen um, Conley playing 35 minutes in two of the last three. He's taken a ton of shots, 18 shots per game. Mm-hmm. He has 26, 28, and 40 points over the last three, and now gets to play Atlanta. Are we talking like Mike Conley is just a cash game play here? We talked about Westbrook and Curry, but if you run our FanDuel lineups at least, Conley at 9,200 is in lineup two. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I kind of think it might be correct here. This is a great matchup. What do you think about Conley? And are we trusting you know, the fact that this is still Memphis and we're still dealing with a bad team? It's close between Conley and Curry for me in that slot. I'd, I'd rather play Westbrook, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the thing with Conley is, yeah, the minutes have been there and the shots have been there, but he's also running pretty darn hot from the field. I uh, shot 67% against Portland, 61% against Utah, 44% against Orlando, and Conley is not even a 44% shooter over on a season-long basis, right? So the increase in volume for him is all well and good, but if he's making an extra two or three shots a game, that is basically the difference between paying value on his high price of the season and not. So I don't think Conley, 
Like, I'm not like, ooh, Conley in 9200, are you serious? Let's see who he's playing. It's more like, oh, he's against Memphis. You know, I've got my own questions about playing Curry at this prices for totally different reasons, just based on too many mouths to feed on his team. And, and kind well, of hold on a second. But are you, you're aware that Durant is out, right? Like, the, this that? is the... You're aware that Kevin Durant is out tonight, right? Like this is this is the well. This is this is what I'm talking about, though. So what I'm saying is that choosing between Conley and Curry, like there are reasons why you wouldn't want to play Curry at a similar price tag, but you're getting Curry at this low price compared to Conley at his high price, and so I think that yeah, that's why I just think it's an interesting discussion, basically. Sure. Okay. I I guess I was going the other way because uh, the way our system kind of meets it out is it saying do you want to pay 11-7 for Westbrook or 9-2 for Conley no questions about Curry I, I just want to clarify something that like that we're seeing in calculated lineups here there doesn't see like for me personally and I guess for our system too there's no question about Curry at 9200 I guess the question is do you think uh, I'll frame the question a different way is it worth taking the 11 no sorry the 11 the $2,500 savings on Conley as compared to Westbrook if all things shook out evenly in the rest of the lineup, does that make sense? Like, um, I guess that's more of my question. I wanted to ask, like, who do who would you trust more? Would you trust Conley at ninety two hundred or 11, Russ, Westbrook at eleven seven? Understanding there's probably another, there is definitely another decision in there because of the price difference. I'd rather play Westbrook. I mean, just yeah. all things being equal, I think Westbrook has, and I I don't really think it's especially close either. And I guess yeah, I'm probably overly bearish on Curry. I do think, like I said, I, I do think there are reasons why. He's less than a no-brainer, and I know that he'll be probably absolutely ubiquitous chalk, and for that reason alone, you should probably play him in cash tonight. But, uh, yeah, I just think there are some warning signs there, but we can get into that when we get to the Golden State-Houston game. And then or the maybe, or the maybe it's just not worth getting into it because he's just going to be so high-owned that you don't need to sit there wringing your hands about it. But, uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to definitely go Westbrook over Conley here. Well, what you would do is, if you from a, from a tournament perspective, you the Conley the pivot from Curry to Conley can make a lot of sense because theoretically you're going to get Conley much lower owned I would think so like and if they're the exact same price you can just set a rest of your lineup and make that if, if Conley wasn't in it and make that one decision a little closer yeah we'll get to the we'll get to the Golden State guys in a second now the rest of these Memphis guys the minutes do seem to come and go and they've they've messed around with starting lineups like they started Valanciunas and Noah together two games ago but then went back to Caboclo um, at the power forward position still played Noah a decent amount of minutes off the bench. Val played 25 last game in a pretty close one. Avery Bradley played 37 minutes. Where do we stand on a guy like Bradley? He's He has been a guy since coming over to Memphis in the trade. I have bumped his usage up a little bit because he's just playing a different role. He's averaging 14 shots per game over the last five. Um, he's just seeing way more shots in this offense. Like, he's seeing shots that like Justin Holiday's not seeing when they're when they're running it, um, when they're especially when they're playing together. Any interest in a guy like him? I'm mostly saying this because they're just playing Atlanta. And he has played a decent amount of minutes for this for this Memphis team. I think you can consider it. I mean, he's a guy that our system has kind of been flirting with in these mid-30s minutes. I think he's just got the same issues he's always had, is that he can completely disappear on you offensively if he's just not getting open for threes, essentially. Uh, he still struggles to create his own shot on some level. And I'll never understand why a player of his athleticism can't put up five to seven rebounds a game like the same way some of these other guys can like the fact that Avery Bradley can stay on the court for 35 minutes against Utah and pull down one rebound I just don't I just don't get it because he's not like a low effort player necessarily he's a really really strong defender can always get those steals and whatnot but it's the ball just never seems to bounce his way or he just has no interest in in getting down there or scrambling for those you know 50 50 balls or something I'm not sure but uh yeah so again playable option at shooting guard tonight I don't think it's one you need to show up to play the sleep for 
I'm much more interested in playing him at 4,800 on DraftKings, I think. Um, that at great be, price. Yeah. yeah, and especially, too, the, the fact that he's taking six three-pointers a game, uh, and he's got three, yeah, six, six, eight. He had the one against Utah and then another eight against Orlando. So, actually, you know, his average is probably – his real average is, you know, probably somewhere like six-plus, especially in this matchup here. Uh, that getting that those extra little points on DraftKings because of the made three-pointers – I could see him being a popular play here at 4,800, and um, it'll just probably probably just have to see how the rest of the lineup shakes out. All right, uh, Atlanta side, they play Memphis. Memphis still plays very slow. They are they are slightly favored here in a line with 221 over-under, which is high, um, especially consider Memphis is in the game. Um, we've seen multiple nights of Trey Young chalk. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, does the matchup just kind of take Atlanta off the board here? Uh, any thoughts here on the Hawks before we get into these two late games? Good Lord, I was having a crisis of conscience playing Trey Young at 8,300 against Brooklyn. I'm certainly not going to play him against Memphis at <laughs> the same price tag. And I'll, every every percentage that I see of his ownership tonight, I'll be very excited by. Yeah, um, the, the minutes have dropped too over in the short term too. So like, I don't think you have to be too worried about like these like pushing up against 40 minute games from Trey Young that we've seen. Uh, Golden State and Houston. This is the game of the night if you're going to tune in for a matchup. Golden State obviously struggling here a little bit, coming off the loss to the Suns. They're going to be without Durant. In this game, Houston actually favored by two points at home. And this game, I'm not seeing an over-under on this one right now. No, excuse me. Actually, that line started at minus two and now up to minus three for the Rockets, who are playing very well. They're kind of not teams going in different directions because none of this really matters till it gets to the playoffs. But this is definitely the game of the night. Do we want? Are we looking to just stack Warriors, knowing that we're getting all those usage and minutes out of the lineup with Durant? It sure seems like a Curry, Clay, maybe even Draymond stack is the way to go in this matchup. And do you think that's going to be just the way the cash chalk ends up falling? It typically is when one of the big guys is out in Golden State. I think that, you know, it was funny the last time we were in a position like this. I guess I'm curious to think or to hear your thoughts on Alonzo McKinney uh, because we wound up running him. And this was a weird night against Orlando at the end of February, my birthday, when I had to work because you were traveling. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Uh, McKinney was, we played him. And he didn't wind up being insanely good. And a lot of people were concerned about it because he is the type of guy that can just be out, especially when he plays with the starters. He can be out there for plenty of minutes and do absolutely nothing. He's like, he's not even the fifth option. He's just a full-on afterthought that, like, occasionally the ball bounces his way. It's like in a... In, in a pickup game where you just wind up on a team of guys that are way too good for you to be on there. And it's just kind of, like, hard for everyone to for it to feel fun. Alonzo, Alfonso, Alfonso? I've always been calling him Alonzo McKinney. Good Lord. Uh, Alfonso McKinney is really in that way for me. So I think he's a great play on FanDuel where you can just drop your lowest score. There's certainly potential for him to wind up not being your drop if you've got some other cheap guys. On DraftKings, it's a little bit closer to me. I know that he's the very, very minimum, but uh, but he's the guy that I'm I'm thinking about a little bit here. He played 24 minutes in that game. I, I, I thought he got hurt, but maybe I'm thinking of a different game. Um, I don't think he's not going to play crunch time. So this is where you can be pretty bearish on the minutes. Like if their game is close, they'll play Iguodala in crunch time. So I don't think that you're worried. Yeah. I, I'm probably in, in thinking about it too. I'm wondering if I, I don't even think I have him at that many minutes. I'm just looking real quick. Um, I have a 27. That's probably high. I think he's probably more like a tw- the 24 is probably more realistic. Cause like I said, Iguodala is definitely the guy that's going to play down the stretch. Well, the big thing about that Orlando game too, is Iguodala was out. So if you, want to give him any of McKinney's minutes and McKinney got 23 minutes yes McKinney did uh, leave briefly in that game but 
the fact that Iggy didn't play in that game and Durant didn't play and McKinney was still not very good should certainly give us pause. Yeah, probably even at 3,100, don't want to do it um, on DraftKings. I think there's probably just going to be better ways to save. Like you said, he's just he's a great guy at a, at a very weak position. I struggled to figure out, you know, for yeah. um, our writers last night, Joel, who wrote up, Joel Barlotta, that wrote up um, our cash game plays last night. I did struggle to find even two competent small forwards that you can run out there. And when that's the case, on FanDuel especially, where you can just drop a score, he is the perfect the perfect candidate to just drop a score. So uh, there, no problem, and good conscience can do it, especially when you get great payups. Uh, near the top of the chain. Like we've already mentioned a lot of these guys, Westbrook, Curry, Vooch. I think maybe some people go the, the DeMarcus Cousins route. I don't think I want to because of, of the minutes, but um, there are other guys that you can pay up at the higher end. Clay, too. He plays 8,000 on draft, excuse me, on FanDuel. So there's lots of ways to pay up. Not many ways to do it at small forward. That's where I'm fine with McKinney. Um, yeah, and I, I'm fine just going a little bit overboard on Curry, Clay, even, even Draymond, who 5,900 on Draymond, it's mostly the minutes here. Like he's never going to see a ton of shots. Right, because like, and he just doesn't shoot. He isn't shooting that well anyway. But just the fact that he could play like thirty-five or thirty-six minutes in this game at fifty-nine hundred feels like it's worth the price of admission. And I guess we got to talk about Harden too, because if there's going to be a max minute game for Harden, you really feel like there's going to be a max like usage game for him. This would be it. Where do you stand? I'll just compare him to the other very high price guy on the slate, uh, and that's Westbrook. Where do you put Harden in that group of knowing knowing the matchup? probably can be bullish on the minutes too how do you compare him and Westbrook here yeah it's rough because Harden missed the last Golden State game and it'd be nice to know uh what the plan is for Houston right now and just kind of generally speaking like are they trying to save him for the playoffs a little bit here uh you've seen that minute ceiling return from time to time since the all-star break but by and large they've been pretty cautious with him right I mean you're looking at 35 to 36 minutes a game and you know given that Chris Paul is back and you're obviously just playing fine you're not seeing nearly that that same peak we saw earlier this season, and it's not like these games have been blowouts either. Uh, you know, like they beat Charlotte by 12 points, like that's fine, but it wasn't totally out of hand or anything. I don't know. I, like when you're reading the tea leaves, looking at the uh, the Rockets right now, do you think it is game script issues that have kept his minutes down, or do you think that's just kind of the plan going forward that they're just not going to go crazy here? Well, okay, so the Charlotte game. They really did not want to bring him in. They were blowing out the they were blowing out the Hornets, and then Kemba just went totally nuts in this game and got it just close enough in the fourth quarter where he came in later than his usual rotation to come back into the game. And I think they were just kind of pushing it to the very end, hoping that the second unit could just stave off the Hornets for long enough. So I think that's why you saw the 35 minutes there. The 34-minute game against Dallas, he had inexplicable foul trouble. He had three fouls in the first half and then got his fourth or fifth very quickly in the third quarter. So mm. I, think that was, I think that was that. And then you have a 16-point win over Philly, which actually was more of a blowout than the 16 points suggest. So I actually really yeah, so do maybe think... fair enough. And I guess, too, they, they... Nine game winning streak, teams tend not to just like throw that away. So you probably Yeah, so I think that I think in a game, if you're gonna go thirty seven or thirty eight minutes on Harden, this would be the game to do it, right? Like I I don't think there's a way they can I take it back. I mean there's like some chance they're three and a half games out right here in a leverage game against the Warriors. So if you knew you can make up a full game on this right now for just home court advantage throughout the playoffs, that has to be in their minds too, knowing that Golden State's stumbling too. So if there's a game to go, 37, 38 minutes on Harden, this would for sure to me be the one. I don't know how much I want to go. I don't. I just don't know if the other guys are going to end up showing up lineups. Guys like Capella, probably not Chris Paul. And that's those are really the only three you can consider. Maybe take a stab at Eric Gordon uh, that gets hot from three. Uh, I do think people will have this question about, about Harden tonight though, specifically compared to Russ. Um, and it's probably something that we'll discuss 
on our Twitch stream when we're doing broadcasting live, uh, going into lineup lock. Final game, 10 o'clock game. Utah goes in and plays Phoenix. The story here is that Ricky Rubio is going to is probable to play in this game, which to me takes Donovan Donovan Mitchell had been a guy that we had just given pretty sizable assists and usage bumps to with Rubio out. I think we can basically take those off. And then you have Phoenix going the other way against a Utah team that is still very tough on defense. Uh, do you think we've covered most of the cash game plays up until this point? Or are you seeing something from this game that I'm not? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think if Rubio, for some reason, his status were to change and we could grab uh, Royce O'Neal or you know, one of these like cheaper options, I could be intrigued. I think we've seen enough value elsewhere that we probably don't need to force it. Certainly, I don't want to play any Phoenix guys going the other way against Utah. And Utah is just one of these teams where... Basically, basically, the rest of the team is priced like Rubio's out, like Mitchell in particular. And if he's mm-hmm. back, that just kind of like craps all over everything. So, Yeah, I agree. Um, this game still does have a pretty high total, like I said. And um, we just have seen the totals actually just kind of trend up over the late season, especially with the bad teams, uh, as they get play less and less defense. But it doesn't really mean we need to jam in uh, any other guys for cash. All right, we're going to get out of here. DFSR.com slash NBA. We'll get you started on a premium membership. It's optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NBA. NHL, we got baseball in less than a month away as well. So lots going on. DFSR.com slash NBA will get you a free seven-day trial to that. So go check that out. We'll be on live on Twitch, DFSR, excuse me, twitch.tv slash DFSR podcast. Uh, we'll go live starting in about an hour before a lineup lock discussing all of the plays and how lineups are kind of shaking out for this late. Buddy, enjoy your Wednesday in basketball. Yeah, thanks, man. And next time, please don't check your Facebook messages while we're recording. I can't help it. They're sitting in front of me in case I want to get you to see them. <laughs>is finally here and so is old navy's big fall sale get thousands of styles from just five bucks all your fall favorites are on sale now layer up with five dollar tees and ten dollar long sleeve tees for the whole family and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just fifteen dollars plus save even more with up to 75 percent off clearance styles don't miss out hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at old navy and oldnavy.com valid 10 15 to 10 25 select styles only Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only.